The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. Hello and welcome to the Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. I'm Kay Holland, great to be back with you. And joining us today are two podcast debutantes. First up is freelance writer Jamie Spencer. Jamie's from the North and he covers the WSL and Manchester United women. Hello, Jamie. Hi, thank you for having me here. It's, uh, it's always good to talk about United. Absolutely. Thanks, Jamie. Also with us today, we have Her Football Hub senior journalist, Lauren Kaufman. Hi, Lauren. Hello. Great to be with you guys. Welcome, welcome. Well, before we get started today, I just need to say that if you haven't listened to our previous pod with our producer, Luke Edwards, which reacts to a dramatic conclusion in the Nations League and also looks ahead to all this weekend's games, then do yourself a favour and um, please do go and check it out. Uh, but let's get started, Lauren, Jamie, with a roundup of this weekend's WSL action. It all started on Saturday with an early kickoff at the Joy Stadium. So Aston Villa went 1-0 up after just seven minutes, courtesy of a Danielle Turner goal. But in the second half, Lauren Hemp scored twice in four minutes to secure victory for Manchester City. It was an afternoon where Hemp showcased just how much of an impact she can have on City's attack. And if they are to maintain a title challenge, then, you know, surely she is going to remain crucial. And on this pod, we've really talked in the past about City being a major challenger this season after a disappointing season last year. And this comeback, does that give weight to that argument? Over to you guys. I think City are dangerous. I think, obviously, last year they did have a difficult start, but then they did put results together and they've always had that that ability in them to go on these long runs. And you could never, that last season, you could never count out them having a blip here and there that ultimately was their downfall in the end. But if you consider the fact that they went behind against Villa and they came back, they went behind Old Trafford a few weeks ago and they came back, you know, they've got a bit of mental strength and, and maybe it's just taken a bit of time because obviously they had so many changes uh, to the team uh, this summer, uh, not this summer, gone with the one before. And, you know, not everything happens straight away. And, you know, probably a big impact this season as well as they've had a, a goalkeeper that suddenly emerged extremely consistently is, is Kara Keating and she's played her way into the England squad as well. And and, and that's a, a huge factor as well because they've got a really good defensive record. So it's really difficult to write City off, especially with their ability to come back and, and the defence and... Yeah, I think other teams should be wary of them. So perhaps yeah, only, only think, you can get better from here. Yeah, I think for me, it will be about their big games, um, kind of the games against the other big three. Like, they had that amazing comeback again um, and the game against United, but um, the game against Arsenal, less so. Um, and I think with the games against um, Chelsea, another game against Chelsea to come as well, I think how they do in the season will come down to those big games and whether they can they can get those results against the big teams because we know they can do extremely well against the kind of mid-table and, and um, lower-down teams. As for Aston Villa, can they take some positives from that performance? I mean, they did, did defend well for large parts of the game, didn't they? The problem with Villa is that they've not... If you look at the, the results, they're, they're bad because they've lost a lot of games, but... You know, they only narrowly lost to United. They only narrowly lost to Arsenal. They took the lead against City. Yeah, they got smashed by Chelsea, but 
it's the other games that they would be disappointed with where they, you know, they lost to Everton and they lost to Liverpool and Tottenham because they weren't losing those games last season and they were the best of the rest. So they, they've had a very mixed bag in terms of what they've put up. Um, you would think that they should take positives from being able to get ahead against, you know, the big clubs and, you know, they finish in the year at home against Brighton who were sort of in a similar position to them. And, and if they get a little bit of momentum going into Christmas and then coming out of it, then you would expect that they might start to rise up the table because where they are is is not right for them. So they should they should be further up than the table's reflecting, in your opinion, then, Jamie? Yes and no. Like, obviously, the table doesn't lie. Like, they've not won enough games. But if you pick into the actual results that they've had, you know, they're not just a bad team. I think the big positive for me that they can take is that Kenza Dali's back and she's already been kind of like contributing um, to the goals again. You know, she got the assist for that, for, the, for their goal against City. So I think if they can take anything, it's that she was so important to them last season. And, you know, we, we all know that Rachel Daly is not like, the same player she was for them last season. And I think for me, a big part of that is Kenza Dali and that she hasn't had her to link up with. So I think, yeah, I think that's a big positive they can take, um, if not for, you know, the score and, and, and the points. On to Sunday and Arsenal put in a brilliant display in front of a record crowd at the Emirates Stadium to record a humbling 4-1 victory over champions Chelsea, ensuring their defence of the Women's Super League title will not be an easy one. Lauren, our producer Luke tells me you were at the game, so over to you. Yeah, I was. So, um, I mean, Arsenal were just kind of in, in absolute scintillating form for me. Um, I think, you know, Chelsea didn't play well at all. I think Emma Hayes said afterwards it was the worst she's seen them in a while. Um, so that didn't help. But Arsenal, just everything everything clicked for them on the day, I would say. You know, there's been discussion about potentially some, some refereeing decisions that people didn't like. But I think the amount Arsenal won by means that it kind of leaves that a bit redundant to me. You know, if maybe one goal um, was a bit contentious, they, they scored four. So, um, it still, yeah, it was an emphatic win. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. But it was, a, you know, a great day all round. I think the Emirates was rocking, obviously, the record crowd. But I think, you know, more than just like the numbers and in the seats, the atmosphere was incredible. And I think um, the club will take a lot from it, you know, on the pitch and off the pitch. Yes, you talked then about the record attendance. So it was 59,042 people attended the game. Hammy, how great is that? Yeah, I mean, Arsenal are breaking records left, right and centre at the moment. They've obviously um, committed more and more games at the Emirates this season and and hopefully that will continue season on season until they um, at some point make the Emirates their permanent home. Um, but, you know, they, they've broken the, the attendance record already this season and they've done it again. And I think they've shown that this is, you know, this is not a one-off thing. This is not a temporary thing. Um, They've got a kind of plan um, and a strategy in place that really gets people coming through the door. And, you know, the way they're playing is hopefully going to make people stick around and, and want to keep watching. Fabulous. Um, Emma Hayes was very frank after the game. She said the only positive was that it was just a 20 minute drive home for her. Um, Emma said that Chelsea were bullied on the day. And it sounds like you'd agree with that assessment. Yeah, I, I think so. I think from minute one, Arsenal showed their strength. They dominated them on the ball, off the ball, in transition, which, you know, is, is Chelsea's usual game and Arsenal played them at it. Um, and I think, obviously, Chelsea got back into it quickly after the first goal. But um, sometimes I think the season, 
you've been unsure whether Arsenal have other goals in them if they're going to keep scoring. And I thought I think that was never in doubt on on Sunday. They always look like scoring more. Um, and after that second goal, it it really was it was all Arsenal. Um, so definitely, I think a poor Chelsea performance, but also credit to Arsenal, an amazing Arsenal performance. You know, player from you know every player from the back right up to Russo at the front. Um, so yeah, I think they they did incredibly, and and it's a it's a big statement from them. I was just going to ask, you You see this as a statement from Arsenal, because um, it has been a bit of a slow start to the season for them, but do you think this is sort of lift-off now? Yeah, I think in a similar way to Jamie mentioned um, earlier about City last summer having such a big player turnover and how long it's taken them to get going. Arsenal have had quite a big player um, kind of turnover this summer um, and lots of big new additions, and I think it's not a surprise that it took them a little bit of time, but if you look at their results since, it's only been building. They've been scoring more goals recently. Um, they've been getting the results. And I think the big thing for Arsenal is, you know, in past seasons, um, I think something that they've struggled with is is the big games. It's the games against the top three and their record there. And so far this season, it's it's two wins against top three teams and one draw. And that draw was away from home at United. So um, I think that record um, is something they can really take a lot from and, hopefully build in the second half of the season. From a neutral perspective, I just think that this result was needed from, from a title race point of view. Um, if Chelsea had won it, perhaps as we might have expected, I just feel that most people probably have said the title race is done and dusted. What, what do you think, Lauren? I think in our, from Arsenal's perspective, yeah. I think if Arsenal had lost that game, especially at home, um, that would be them done for the title. I don't think totally done and dusted because like we said City looks strong I think they still you know um can be a threat but I think for, for Arsenal for sure if they if they hadn't got that win or at least a draw um that would have been them done and given the lack of Champions League for them I think that would have been pretty much a disaster when it comes to them you know I think to for me Chelsea are still in the strongest position but Arsenal need to be right there to the end pushing them and pushing them Elsewhere in the Women's Super League, Manchester United kept pace in the title race with a comfortable 4-0 victory at Tottenham Hotspur. Melvin Mallard starred. She scored twice and she assisted Ella Toon for her side's second goal, while Hayley Ladd added a late fourth. So United's win keeps them four points behind leaders Chelsea and a point in a place off the Champion League spots. Spurs are now six and they're also winless in five games. Um, over to you, Jamie. It was a comfortable victory in the end, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't think that United had to play particularly well to win 4-0. I think people expected more of Tottenham um, than they offered, albeit having lost 7-0 to City only a, only, only a week earlier. Um, Spurs, it's almost like they tried to contain United in the first half, and then as soon as that first goal went in, um, which I believe was, was credited to Hannah Blundell in the end, I don't think Mallow got a touch. Oh, okay. um, I, I actually did text Hannah afterwards and asked her you claim it and she was like yeah absolutely no question <laughs> um, so um, as soon as that first goal went in it was almost like Spurs what are you going to do now and I don't think they had the answer um, they've obviously been on a little bit of a, a drab run from having had a quite a good start to the season that they've not been able to win the games that perhaps they would have thought so um, for United it was absolutely vital that they won that match and also put up a bit of a statement as well because you know to boost the goal difference but had they not won then the top three was starting to get a little bit far away and having played last out of everyone they could see that gap 
was there after Arsenal won um, and City won. So that's always hugely important from a, almost like a, a mental boost as well at this time. Keep up the pressure and close the gap a little. Um, I wanted to talk really about Melvin Mallard. Uh, she's shown glimpses of her promise and talent so far in her time at United. But this weekend, I just thought she really starred. Um, and surely that's going to do her the world of good to sort of go on from this point. Yeah, um, when she came in, I think she had a, like a, a little minor injury. Um, she, she'd been playing with some taper on her knees uh, for the first few months. There seemed to be less of that yesterday. Um, she still had some, but not as much. So it's possibly just like a fitness thing. She's come into a new league, into a new country. She's got to learn a new style of play with a new team, new sets of players. Um, something that Mark Skinner has, has mentioned a few times is that because they've got quite a few different languages going on, it's the communication's not always easy, but it is something that they are working on on a daily basis. You know, there's translators, there's interpreters on the on the training pitch all the time. Um, so it's possibly just, as I mentioned with City before, sometimes things just take a little bit of time and, you know, like everybody wants everything now, now, now. But, you know, it doesn't always quite work like that. So, yeah, she's, yeah. she's definitely starting to, to show the quality that, you know, we, we all knew that she would have when she arrived with the, with the record that she's had in the past. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it should benefit United now that she's got that run of games in her as well. Absolutely. Watch this space. Uh, Lauren, the last couple of revolts, results for Spurs... Do you feel it's just been a slight bump in the road? Yeah, I think, you know, they started so brightly. Everyone was quite surprised, I think, by um, by their form at the start of the season. And it has, you know, rough results against some big teams, uh, not just kind of losses, but but lots of goals. I mean, they've already signed um, a, a player for um, the January transfer window. I don't think they'll stop there. I think... Um, their manager's made it very clear that, that he wants to do business um, over the winter period. So I think that will play a part. Um, interesting to see how they settle and how quickly they settle. Um, but um, it will be interesting to see how they go. You know, they've got another really big game next week against, well, in, in midweek and then on the weekend, both against Arsenal. Um, and then, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do in the second half of the se season. Yeah, all big games in the WSL. Uh, elsewhere, Leicester and Brighton played out an entertaining two-all draw after the home side threw away a two-goal lead. Lena Peterman had Leicester ahead on the stroke of half-time with a half-volley from distance and Jutta Runtala added a second 18 seconds into the second half only for Elizabeth Turland to earn Brighton a point with two very late goals. So the result left Leicester seventh in the table, with Brighton two places behind and three points clear of bottom spot. Um, after the result, Willie Kirk spoke, spoke about a fear in the Leicester team. Any thoughts on this? I think like Leicester, everybody sort of picked them for be like the most improved team because they started last season and the season before with nine straight defeats and then sort of saved themselves from relegation in, in miraculous circumstances twice. And that obviously was never going to be the case this season when it looked like they'd actually built, you know, a little project. They'd signed uh, a number of players that they had last season on loan permanently and then they'd added more international players that you've already mentioned there, like Peterman and, and Rantala and if they win next weekend and other results help them out, they can finish the year in the top half of the table, which I don't think would be unreasonable for the kind of transformation that they've had. Um, it sort of speaks to a well-run club as well, because Willie Kirk was director of football before he was manager. And then he got the manager job when they sacked 
um, his predecessor. And you can see the impact of having somebody like overseeing everything and it being more of a long-term project. And, you know, just to, to borrow Brighton from the men's game, the way that they've sort of built a whole club, um, it's kind of the same feel there. And obviously the Brighton and the women's side as well, that they, they've kind of got a similar identity. Um, it helps when you've got that kind of project and, and you can see the results of it. And with regards to playing with fear, yeah, like they've they've taken the lead in games and maybe they should have held on to them. And that probably just comes with a bit of experience and, and gel time. And it's going to be a, a similar theme that I keep bringing back up. But time is really important. Right. Yes. So to give to give them time. Yeah, I think obviously the end of that game on the weekend didn't, didn't go the way they wanted. But I, I don't think it could be understated the job that Willie Kirk's done there. You know, they... They play an aggressive style of football that you probably wouldn't expect from a team, you know, that were that were fighting relegation and and so close to it last season. Um, but you know, I think that, like like Willie Kirk said, like Jamie just said, they, there's something that they need to tweak there in terms of the sphere and you know, understanding that they do have the ability and and the style of play to go and win these games and and see them out. Um, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think they'll have any trouble. I think they'll only build on this in the second half of the season and and yeah I think you know it's a lot of that is down to Willie Kirk. Yeah kudos to Willie Kirk um but I wanted to talk really about Turlin's two goals for Brighton so they've made her the WSL's leading scorer so she has about seven goals and that works out as almost one goal every 90 minutes um her shot accuracy of 64 percent that's also well above two of the three players she moved a goal clear of, Man City's Bunny Shaw and Chelsea striker Lauren James. I mean, what can we say? It's incredible stuff from Turland, isn't it? Probably perhaps even more so when you consider that she's not at one of the top teams in the league. I think um, it's been incredibly impressive. I think she's probably, yeah, one of the biggest strikers in the league right now. And I, I think very few people would have expected it. Um you know, she's she's just such a lack of presence for them and you can never write them off in a game because they've got her up front. Um, and yeah, I've been extremely impressed. And I think even, you know, even big teams are, are wary of Brighton now, even if they don't have the quality all over, they know, they, um, they know they've got talent there um, that can score in any situation. Let's turn our attention to the other end of the table. And it was a very interesting Sunday at the bottom end. Bristol City missed the chance to earn a second Women's Super League win of the season after being pegged back by Liverpool at Prenton Park. So City led when Liverpool failed to fully clear a corner in the 50th minute and Abby Harrison's scuff shot was turned in by Amelie Thestrup from close range. Uh, but the Reds drew level six minutes later, later when Sophie Roman Haag flicked a near post header. So a point does move City off the bottom of the WSL, however overtaking West Ham, who lost 1-0 at home to Everton. What do you guys think? Psychologically, it was potentially a big day. Um, perhaps those results will give Bristol City belief, but West Ham some worries, some sleepless nights? You would be worried if you were West Ham um, in the circumstances, because it's almost like you don't know where the next points for them are going to come from. I think they've had quite a difficult start, but... It's like once you get into a rut, and I, I don't wish to suggest that the same thing's happening again, but Rianne Skinner had a similar issue at Tottenham where they lost a lot of games on the bounce and then she ended up um, moving on. And yeah, it's like <laughs> good results breed good results, but bad results also breed bad results. And it's the kind of situation that West Ham are in at the minute. And yeah, for Bristol City, it's like it's almost when you get promoted, 
the first challenges to stay in the league and then you build after that. And I think we've seen that with Leicester and, and with Liverpool as well in the last couple of years. So for them, yeah, it's like, yeah, there's a minimum expectation and a hope at the minute. Yeah, and I think I think actually Bristol are experiencing the kind of opposite of what you just said about West Ham in that they kind of got like one or two good results and it's given them this belief that they can keep going and picking up points. Um, and I think I think for me, the thing I'd be worried about Bristol City is their kind of over-reliance on Thestrup. You know, she scored the goal again on the weekend and um, mm. I think they do have a lot of reliance on her um, up front, but they do have this belief now. They do, you know, they do think they can stay in this league and they can... Um, pick up points against all sorts of teams um, and even run kind of big teams like Arsenal close as well a few weeks ago so um, yeah I think I would be worried for for West Ham as well yeah um, well Everton's 1-0 win over West Ham that has listed Everton to seventh now but they've sort of sneaked into that position haven't they over the last week or so um, do you think that's sort of calmed down any fears for Everton yeah, Everton have always been slightly under the radar. Um, last season, most people were talking about Aston Villa. You know, the season before, a lot of people were talking about Tottenham, if you're thinking about, like, the next bracket of teams. So it, it probably does help them to to just, you know, get on with what they're doing. Um, to, to go back to what we were saying about Leicester and Willie Kirk, it's, it's like Brian Sorensen's had a similar kind of impact there. It's like you need a little bit of a little bit of time to sort of implement your ideas. And then once that happens, you see the results starting to come through. Um Obviously, Everton, they're not going to be challenging the big teams, but you know, there's that middle bracket. It's, it's always every season is who's going to finish fifth or sixth, but there's definitely potential for them to be a top-half team. Yeah, so lots of positives there too. Uh, it was also FA Cup third round weekend, of course, and Darwin were the lowest-ranked team left in the FA Cup. They had a plum tie against very near neighbours Blackburn Rovers of the Championship, and our producer, Luke, caught up with Sophia Flynn ahead of the tie to get her thoughts. OK, Sophie, so a lot of people might not know in terms of geography, Darwin and Blackburn are virtually next to each other. So not only is this kind of a, a big tie for you in terms of you playing a championship side, but it's also a big tie because literally the towns are next door to each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think geographically you could have got much of a, a closer tie, to be honest. I think Blackburn and, Dar uh, Blackburn and Darwin are uh, less than you know, two, three minutes down the road from each other. So, yeah, it's a close one. What was the initial reaction when um, when Blackburn came out with a hat? Uh, I was excited to see them come out with a hat, to be honest. Um, I used to play for them uh, for over probably about 14 years. So, yeah, when I saw that come out of the hat, I was, I was excited myself. And I think a lot of the girls were excited as well because obviously we're the lowest league, uh, lowest ranked team in the competition and to get drawn against such a high um you know a team in, in such a higher league I think I think it's a good challenge for them. Yeah you mentioned that obviously you are the lowest ranked team left in it. I mean what a cut run it's been for you so far. Yeah it's been a fantastic cut run. I think don't think uh, anyone you know imagined that we'd have gone this far before um at the beginning of the season but it's one that you know we're all enjoying and um yeah, it's been it's been a great journey so far, and it's one that we don't really we don't really want to end. <laughs> I was going to say it's going to be a, a tough game. Blackburn are, are doing okay in the championship, but I suppose because you're at home, you might sort of think there's a slight advantage in that way. Then, yeah, I mean, you think you think that you would get the uh, the home advantage, but 
I think, like as we mentioned, with it being so close together uh, geographically, I think it could be pretty even the amount of fans on each side. Yeah, that, that that's the thing as well. You're going to get a really good crowd, aren't you? The exposure yourself and the club have had during this cut runs great, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic. The um, the exposure has been massive. I think it's just crazy because we've had media outlet after outlet coming to interview us and you know record our training sessions and do write ups. So yeah, it's been it's been fantastic, especially for the club. I think you know any exposure is fantastic, but. Um, to come so far in the FA Cup and for that to be such a big um, attention on the club, then, yeah, it's been good. Have you been dreaming about seeing that your name in lights, the headlines for scoring the winner? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be nice. That would definitely be a, a dream come true. But, uh, yeah, I think we're not going to, you know, get too carried away with ourselves. We know that Blackburn are a great side and, They've got some good players, but equally, you know, we've got some fantastic players as well. So I think we'll be looking to to prove that on Sunday and see 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 what happens. And whatever the result, you'll be looking to push us on into your league form as well, won't you? Yeah, um, it's been fantastic, you know, for confidence and for team morale and for t- togetherness of the girls. Um, I think that you know, you you kind of create like an upward spiral. You keep winning and. You take that into the league and it gives you confidence to, to you know, to think, yeah, once you're beating teams like Leeds United, um, obviously we beat them in, in the second round. I think it just gives you a massive boost to, you know, it, it just creates belief amongst the girls that you can, you can go into any game and win it. It was a valiant effort in the end by Darwin, but they eventually went down 4-0 with goals from Megan Hornby, Lucy Shepherd, Tyler Toland and Chloe Williams. Elsewhere in the FA Cup, fourth-tier Moneyfields became the lowest-ranked side to reach this season's Women's FA Cup fourth round with a 1-0 home win over Millwall. Women's Super League sides enter the competition in the next round. That's going to be played on the weekend of the 13th to the 14th of January and the draw takes place on Tuesday the 12th of December. Fifth-tier Luton Town will become the lowest-ranked team if they manage to beat 4th Division Canaanshaw Town on the 17th of December. Sunday's tie, like several of the ties, was postponed because of a waterlogged pitch. The biggest victory perhaps came as 3rd-tier Burnley thrashed 5th-tier Condon Court 11-0. And the Championship clubs who played on Sunday won with leaders Charlton beating Billericay Town 6-0, London City seeing off AFC Bournemouth 6-0 and Southampton Women's FC triumphing 2-1 at local rivals Portsmouth. Third tier Newcastle beat Stoke City 5-0. And I'm very happy to report as a Watford fan that Watford won 6-1 away at Southampton Women, not to be confused, of course, with Southampton FC. And it was a hat-trick for 16-year-old Layla Habert in that one. Uh, Elsewhere in the FA Cup, Rugby Borough came oh so close to an upset. Lee Birch's side led the championship side, Sheffield United, twice. Um, But eventually, Sheffield United did get through. So there are still three spots in the fourth round draw to be decided after the Sunday's postponements. Prize money for this season's FA Cup has been doubled to £6 million and Moneyfields will receive £39,000 for beating Millwall, who play in the fifth tier. 
Uh, over to Jamie, Lauren, any results that stood out from you from the FA Cup weekend? Um, I think um, for me, I'd say that Watford one that you mentioned <laughs> alongside you yeah. being happy about it. I think any yeah. Arsenal fans will also be happy with the, that one because Leila Harbour, who got the hat trick, as well as Michelle Agumang are both, um, you know, promising Arsenal prospects on loan at, at Watford. So it's great to see them get an opportunity. Um, Agumang, um, especially, has only just come back from an injury for the last couple of months. So to see her already get on the score sheet is great for Arsenal fans. Um, you know, they uh, we have a they have a good relationship with Watford, of course, being so local. To, so um, to see that kind of blossom and to see those academy prospects doing well there will will excite any Arsenal fans. Um, yeah, I think as well, the other one that I saw is the Southampton-Portsmouth one. I know Southampton, you know, the, the yeah. championship club have come away with the win, but it was pretty tight. It was 2-1. So I think Portsmouth will take a lot from that. And I did see as well that the attendance for that was over a thousand. Um, so that's very impressive for, you know, for an FA Cup tie and, you know, a great, a great local rivalry. Um, I'm sure a lot of people really enjoyed that day. So, yeah. How about you, Jamie? Anything catch your eye? I think with regards to the FA Cup, it's like you you want to see the the, the the lowest ranked teams get the furthest that they can. So the fact that you've got money fields now into a round where they could potentially be going to a WSL club, you know, and potentially like the biggest WSL clubs. I think that's like, that kind of encapsulates the tournament as a whole. So yeah, it's just hopefully they get a good draw. What the FA Cup is all about, kind of rooting for the underdogs too. Uh, next up, we have an exclusive interview with Kate Bowers. Kate plays for Chesham United Ladies, but she's also the England women's deaf team vice captain. And our producer, Luke, spoke to Katie about playing for Chesham and her journey so far through to the international stage. Kate, tell us how, how Chesham United season's going for those people who don't know already. Uh, yeah, Chesham United, we are in the fourth tier of the Women's National League. Uh, we have, I'm not going to lie, we've not had the best start to the season, um, but we're getting there. <laughs> it's very much, you know, last season was all about the sort of rebuild. Um, it was a kind of rebuild season. So this season, it's getting everyone to gel. Um, we've, got a, we've got a decent team, so hopefully... Uh, we'll get a win this Sunday against AFC Sudbury. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Because obviously, I mean, um, it's one of those at the minute, women's football's on the rise. But people still aren't maybe aware of what's happening in, in the lower divisions. So obviously, Chesham United men's club's a non-league club. But the women's team seems to be thriving though, don't they? Yeah, so we're, we're doing well. You know, we, we've sort of come up through the, through the ranks. We're still very much... Uh, more of like a grass, grassroots kind of club, you know, we've still got like our under 10s, etc. Um, and they're all still very much involved. But it, it's, yeah, we're, we're definitely one to keep an eye on for the next couple of seasons. Now, the reason we're speaking to you today is because obviously three years ago, you had a, a major uh, a major event happen, a major change in your life, didn't you? Yes, I did. Um, I actually got the timings wrong, so it was two years ago, not three years ago. I got called out on that and I was like, oh. Um, but yes, um, so I got an ear infection in my right ear. It then spread to my left. Um, and yeah, it's it's left me deaf. <laughs> so, wow, yeah. I mean, that's, um, I mean, first of all, how... How did you cope with that? Because that was a lot of people who, 
who are deaf are born deaf, aren't they? So when somebody who's, you know, had good hearing like yourself, how, how do you react to that all of a sudden? So after seeing specialists, they've actually told me that they believe that I was hard of hearing since birth and it was just never picked up on. Um, so I'm naturally very, very good at lip reading because I've obviously just kind of gone through life and that's how I've got by. Um, but when I first found out that, you know, I've got wear hearing aids and to be fair, the difference that they made was unbelievable. <laughs> um, but it, it was it was tough. It was tough to take on board, but I'm one of those people that, you know, I look at it as, can I do anything to change it? No. So actually, once I accepted it, um, it's one of those things I've just got got to get on with it. Um, it's just now part of who I am. In terms of, is that difficult for you on the pitch then? Um, you know, if your teammates are talking to you because it's say they've, you've got your back to them is it difficult how how do you communicate with your teammates so I would probably say it's more frustrating for them than it is me <laughs> um, <laughs> so we we actually did some uh, analysis of our last game and when you're watching the game back you can hear people like really shouting my name and I'm I haven't got a clue that they're they're even talking to me <laughs> so until I get close yeah, you're shooting and they're like, oh, okay, not again. It's all right. Nine times out of ten, they go in, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thrill. I mean, and, and the, of course, that's opened up a new avenue to you as well because you're part of the, the England deaf team. So, in a way, there's a positive that's come out of this as well. Yeah, definitely. And do you know what? It's it, it's crazy how it all came kind of came about. So, it was actually the manager of Chesham, so Lisa Welling, um that I called she was the first call that I made when I found out that I had to wear hearing aids and I was deaf and I called her and I was really quite upset um but within about a minute of the call she was like I know someone at the FA who's part of the England deaf setup I'm gonna I'm gonna get you in there um so off the back of that I was like yeah okay thinking she's just trying to make me feel better um but yeah it it happened so <laughs> It was quite surreal. I don't know if you're aware of Mackenzie Arnold. She's deaf. She's got hearing loss, basically. She was. She's yeah. again. She's only just been discovered about. It just shows that you can still play at the top level. You know things yeah, like that. Absolutely. Really, it's just finding those those ways to communicate that work for everyone. So, for for example, obviously, I'm used to playing with hearing people, but when we were out in Malaysia at the World Cup. Um, you know, there are times where I, I'm a very vocal player anyway, so I'm constantly shouting. Um, but, you know, at the World Cup, I would shout and it's like um, they they can't hear me. So, like the goal I scored against um, USA, I don't know if you've seen it, but I've played the ball in and then you can, I'm screaming to get it back, R knew that she couldn't hear me. So I'd absolutely put in a shift so that so that I was level with her and I was like play me the ball but as soon as she yeah. saw me she played the ball and you know ended up in the back of the net so it's finding those ways to communicate and knowing what you need to do mm. yeah but that must be an inspiration to, to know someone like Mackenzie Arnold playing in the WSL she's got hearing aids fitted she just represented a country at the World Cup I mean that 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 must show to you as well that you can progress up, up the ladder if you want to and, and it not sort of hold you back in a way. 
yeah, I think my previous in- injuries would hold me back. However, you know, there there are people that, you know, so, some of the girls in the deaf team and some of the girls that came to the trials, they really good. Um, and I thought to myself, you would, you know, you, you could quite easily play in the National League or Championship or WSL. Um, and they're still young enough where you can sort of mould them into the player that you want them to, you'd need them to be. Um, so I hope that actually her story inspires others to, you know, what I can do this. I don't need to, you know, yes, if you play for a deaf team, continue playing for your deaf team, but know that actually there are other options for you and it can be done. Uh, in terms of, uh, Cheshire United then in the season. Um, how, how do you see the rest of the season going for yourselves? Um, I think we've got a good enough team to compete. Um, like I say, we've had a few results that weren't necessarily expected. Um, but I'm thinking, you know, as long as everyone's fit and everyone's putting in the efforts where they need to and fueling their body right, we've got such a great team. Um, so we could potentially turn it all around. Not saying that, that we're going to finish top of the league, but uh, I'm saying sort of top half. And that's it for this week. Jamie, Lauren, thanks so much for joining us. You'll have to come back on later in the season. Please subscribe to the podcast via all good podcasting platforms. And if you're on social, give us a follow. We're on Twitter at TWFP1 and over on Instagram at the Women's Football Podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. The Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Her Game 2.